This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, Buffalo Bandit and longtime NLL goalie Anthony Cosmo announced his retirement last week. Rory McDade has announced as the new coach in New Westminster. NLL camps kicked off for two national lacrosse teams last weekend, and the National Lacrosse Team Players Association is about to be a real thing. All that and more on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. My name is Teddy Jenner. Happy Halloween. I'm not dressed up. Bear's not dressed up. Then I'm not going trick-or-treating. But that's okay. Had the fun on the weekend. Went and watched Dracula. Checked out some costumes. Did some pumpkin carving. That's all right. It's all what Halloween's about. Being a kid any way you can. And trust me, I'm a bit of a fat kid, so I like to eat my candy. So there's a box of chocolate waiting for me at home. But we are going to talk plenty of lacrosse here tonight on the show. Uh, Mentioned off the top, Anthony Cosmo announced his retirement. Um, We'll check in with him on the show this week. Uh, Cos is the NLL leaders in saves. And one of the best teammates you'll ever meet. Chad Culp announced his retirement as well. Culpamania, no more. Um, but much like Anthony Cosmo, Culper is going to stick on with the Black Wolves uh, in a coaching scout role. Uh, Cos will be a goaltender coach for the Bandits. And Culper will be a scout for the Black Wolves. Uh, Curtis Hodgson announced his retirement last week. Uh, we didn't talk, I forgot to mention that on the show. Um, but Haji, another class act. All three guys, just pure class, all of them. And big fan of all three of their games. So uh, congratulations to all three of those guys on an incredible career. Um, we'll try to catch up with those guys at some point during the off season, or sorry, during the season, get them on the show and just talk about things. But Anthony Cosmo will stop by. A little bit later, we'll talk NLL, we'll talk Man Cups, we'll talk Team Canada stuff. Uh, Plenty to go on in our conversation with Anthony Cosmo. And a pretty good story about Game 7 of that 2009 Man Cup that uh, he had to be reminded by a couple of former teammates. If you want to get a hold of me at the show, pretty simple. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. I almost said... My old salesman email address was teddy.jenner at jennershev.com. Doesn't exist anymore. I don't sell cars anymore. I did. I did. But I don't anymore. Uh, Other news in the lacrosse world that we'll kind of touch on as the show goes on. Uh, We mentioned uh, Rory McDade is the new coach in New Westminster. Camp's opening up New England and Toronto. uh, Got the guys back on the turf this past weekend. So we'll check in. Uh, with things in those two camps. And this dispute between the Canadian Lacrosse Association, Bear, I'm trying to talk here, between the Canadian Lacrosse Association and the Canadian national teams is picking up pace, and it's rumored that a National Lacrosse Team Players Association is being formed. Strangely enough, or coincidentally, oddly, crazily enough, Um, Mac Allen, former National Lacrosse League player, former Peterborough Laker, and former national team defender, um, helped write up the process for the national team players uh, to create this players association. So um, that story continues to develop. Uh, Keep your eye on the Peterborough Examiner for more. Um, It's just a, a crazy, crazy story that has been a long time coming. And I know... Some people have asked the question, well, if everybody's known about this for X amount of years, how come nothing's been done? And that's a pretty good question because for years, we've been complaining about the CLA, about how they handled 
um, the face mask situation. Everybody remembers um, the drug testing that was brought in uh, during the Man Cups about a decade ago. There's been a lot of issues that have happened between the players who play and the people on the board of the CLA. And yes, this probably could have been brought up a long time ago. I truly believe that the straw that broke the camel's back, as it were, was the injuries to Cam Holding and Dan Coates at the Team Canada field lacrosse tryouts, meaning they'll miss the National Lacrosse League season, meaning they'll miss all their pay that they were supposed to get through the NLL. So I think that was, as I said, the straw that broke the camel's back. And it came to a point where something needed to be done, something needed to be said. And um, a crazy little nugget that I found in the latest Peterborough Examiner story, this one by Mike Davies, back on Saturday. um, And it says, so again, it just kind of specifies what the players want. It said they want CLA President Joey Harris and Director Solon Gill to resign from the board. And this is the interesting nugget. It says, according to a 2012 Canadian Revenue Agency directive, removal of those on the board at the time of the RCAAA status was revoked is required to regain status. So until those people, so when Gil, Joey Harris, are taken off of the CLA board, the CLA will never get registered Canadian Amateur Athletic Association status. And the reason that that status was revoked was because there was participation in 2010 in a $60.7 million gifting program that the CRA deemed an abusive tax shelter. So again, without that status, the CLA can't can't issue tax receipts, and that's been hindering the national team's ability to recruit, recruit sponsorships and donations. So that's a big angle to the story that I'm not sure a lot of people really understood. And and when that when I kind of read that line, I was like, wow, this is going to be a really big thing. And um, Dan Dawson was interviewed in this article, and he said it would be devastating for the program if guys like Huntley and French and Meridian and, and Gary Gate were asked to leave or were stripped of their positions by the CLA for expressing their concerns for the players. So we'll keep an eye on this situation. As I said, it's going to be building over the next few weeks and months as we get further and further down the rabbit hole. And it'll be interesting to see what comes of this. Um, If the Players Association demands are met, if the Players Association really forms itself, um, and according to the article, it will be open to anybody that has played for a Team Canada team dating back to 1978. So that's a lot of players. So again, we're still efforting someone um, to join us on the show uh, next week. We're hoping for this week. uh, It didn't quite happen. We're going to get somebody on next week, uh, I hope, to talk about it uh, because this is a very, very interesting story that could really change the landscape of the CLA if if Harris and Gill and Doug Louie and uh, Derek Graham are all asked to step down and do step down. Um, I think it would be a a monumental moment, and I think it's a long time coming, and I think it's something that is drastically needed uh, for this sport to grow at an international level, but more importantly here on home soil. And for people who think that it's just the national team players looking for money, it's not. Uh, These guys are thoroughly invested in grassroots, in giving back. Look at the number of guys that are doing camps. Look at the number of guys that are coaching and giving back to minor associations. It's incredible and commendable what these guys are doing. So hopefully everything works out in their favor and we get answers to all of that soon. Again, uh, the Peterborough Examiner, uh, thepeterboroughexaminer.com is where you can go. Just find the sports tab. Uh, Mike Davies uh, has a bunch of stuff out there for you to get caught up on if you may be a little behind the information. So, Anthony Cosmo. um, What can you say about the guy that has never been said? There's not a lot because he has played this game at an incredibly high level 
for an incredible amount of time and more time than, than he ever thought. He has had success nationally, internationally. Um, he's had uh, a, a storied career, one that's going to end with him going into the Hall of Fame. That might just be the third name in the class for 2017, even though we still haven't really gotten towards a hall of any Hall of Fame announcements. And we're getting close to the end of the year. This is a bit of a sidebar. I, this just kind of popped into my head. Is that there still hasn't been any talk about the class of 2017 Hall of Fame. There's been no um, reaching out by the league for potential nominees. Uh, there has been no email sent out about when a Hall of Fame banquet would be. There's really been no talk about the Hall of Fame and what's going on. And with us on the precipice of November, there's essentially 61 days for the class of 2017 to be announced and inducted. I mean, you could probably skip the whole voting process anyway and just make your class of 2017 Doyler Grant and cause. I'm okay with that. But it's still kind of defeating the purpose of getting names out there and doing the voting and doing the balloting. So no carts in front of horses or anything. We'll just hope that something gets done in the next two months, I guess. Because it'd be weird not to have a class of 2017, don't you think? Especially with the three greats that have just retired. And that's not trying to sell any of the other guys who have hung up the gear uh, short at all. But, but those are the three favorites. So let's circle back to Anthony Cosmo, who after 17 years in the National Lacrosse League announced his retirement with a career and league High of 7,222 season, a five-time All-Star, played with four different teams. His final six seasons were in Buffalo. 258 regular season games on a goals against average of 10.96 with 13 playoff appearances. He won two NLL championships with the Toronto Rock as a backup to Bob Watson. He's won a Minto Cup, a Man Cup, and a World Indoor Lacrosse Championship he has pretty much done it all when it comes to playing goaltender in the game of lacrosse. And when I caught up with him after a long day of work and putting the kids to bed as a proud papa, I asked him how long he'd been thinking about the thought of retiring from the National Lacrosse League. I'd say past uh, two seasons. Uh, I ended up injuring my knee like two seasons ago. And, you know, ever since then, uh, I've been kind of contemplating what I should do. And as my kids are getting older and the more commitment I have at home and family uh, time and you know I thought 15 years 16 years would be good enough and then we came that close to to losing the championship game uh, two years ago and I decided one more year was what I needed and then you know at the end of last year I was still contemplating but you know it was deep inside of me I knew it was done. Did you ever think it would be 15 years? Uh, never. Not at the start. I, I didn't even think the NLL would be around for 15, to be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, right? I, uh, the way the way your league's going and uh, the way it's continued to go, uh, hopefully it lasts another 15 or even more. Obviously, the career of yours was, was very storied. You were part of expansion drafts. You were part of championship seasons. Um, but what encapsulates when you look back the, the career of Anthony Cosmo most? I don't know. Uh <laughs> I, for me, it was camaraderie and then the enjoyment of, of uh, playing a sport I, I truly loved. It was uh, a childhood dream. Like I was saying to uh, uh, my my dad the other day, I was saying to him about how I went to a Buffalo game, and, and that and this was early, I guess would be the early 90s. Yeah. And, or sorry, I guess maybe mid-90s. And I remember sitting up in the odd and watching JT and watching a bunch of uh, Bill Gary and thinking, you know what, maybe I have a shot at this. And, uh, you know, I, this is what I want to pursue. And uh, the, the, the fans in Buffalo and all that just felt like home to me. And, mm-hmm. and for me to have that opportunity to play and play this long and play for some great teams and great people, it's it's been a real pleasure. I love the, the comment about great people because you had uh, a pretty interesting coaching staff in your whole tenure as a goaltender, both in, in the CLA during the summer league, leagues and in the National Cross League, uh, obviously starting – uh, with the late Les Bartley in Toronto when when you were there, and you get Troy Cordingly. You've been around some of the most fiery coaches uh, this sport has ever seen. 
Yeah, you know, I, I've been blessed with, with the people that I've uh, been coached by. And, you know, they've taught me a lot about how to be a great um, teammate, how to be a great player, and most of all, how to be a great person. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I couldn't say enough about all the coaches from last, from giving me the opportunity with Johnny Meridian and Les Bartley Jammer and Eddie Como. Uh, you know, those look... <laughs> You know, those are top top quality people. And then look what they developed. How many guys yeah. out of our Toronto Rock camp are head coaches in our league? Mm-hmm. And then to move on to uh, you know Walt Christensen in uh, in San Jose, and you know, and then now to to, to Troy Cornley, it's it's been it's been a real pleasure and a real great opportunity for me to to learn from the, from the best. And you know, if if I have an opportunity to be a coach in our league, you know, they they've taught me exactly what it takes. Who was your goalie mentor as a as a young young upcoming goaltender? Who was the guy that you watched? Uh, a little bit of everyone, I would say. Um, you know, I remember Bill Gary was one of the first pro guys that I remember watching, and then a little bit of Dallas, and then mm-hmm. I got into Patty O'Toole, and and then uh, Bobby Watson was 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 my true mentor once I got into the NLL. Right. Um, but you know, those those are the guys I grew up watching, and you know, and Chugger and. <laughs> It's kind of gone full circle where now, yeah. now I, you know, when I became the old guy and, and guys are saying, hey, cause, you know, you thank you so much for all you've done for me. <laughs> you know, I, I've, you know, being on that flip side where I see, I see Whip and Chug and, you know, yeah. Patty O'Toole, who, who to me are the ultimate, ultimate uh, goaltenders. And so it's, it's kind of, kind of cool to be on the flip side to understand on that field. What, what do you look back most when you look at your career? You know, you talked about. Uh, being a great teammate and, and, and professional, and those are things that, that I associate with you. But I also associate just a guy that loved, loved the spotlight, loved being in big games. Uh, there are so many uh, that we can talk about, but is there a game that stands out to you as maybe one of your favorites? Uh, I, I don't know, actually. Uh, I tried to say that. Uh, one of the one of my favorite games actually was maybe the WLA game. I, I don't know if you remember the two one game in overtime. A three two, um, three two. Was it three two? Yeah, three two against uh, against Quitlam. Quitlam. Yeah, yeah. That that was what one game that kind of sticks out in my mind. That it was just you know comedy of errors how we won that game. But yeah, nonetheless, uh, I would say that was one of my favorite games. And you know what? Maybe game seven, Man Cup again, another non-NLL game uh, mm-hmm. where, we, where we stole it kind of from uh, New West there. Those, those are two games that stick in my mind. Um, you know, <laughs> I have so many fond memories of, uh, of lacrosse and what, what it's given me and the opportunities that, I, that it's given my family. Um, now my children and, you mm-hmm. know, I, I can't thank it enough and can't thank the people enough for who I've been associated with. We're going to loop back to the NLL in a minute, but I want to go back to that 09 Man Cup. We were eventually going to talk about it because how could we not? Um, that was one of the craziest series uh, I've ever been a, been witness to, obviously with the Game 1 bench-clearing brawl and, and everything that preluded that series and took it to Game 7. How crazy was it in that Game 7 late? Uh, you guys are down a goal. You don't have the ball. Did you ever think that it was going to get pushed to overtime? No, like I came to the bench uh, and I think it was uh, Brody Merrill and he was just up on the, on the D door. And I, I, you know, I was swearing up a storm saying I've given up, you know, my, and this is the first year I was started teaching in Orangeville. And it was just, again, it was one of those things that everything was against me. I had to travel back and forth. And, yeah. You know, I was, I gave up a sacrifice quite a bit just to make it uh, to be part of that man cup. And, you know, and I, and I was kind of cursing to myself, well, like, did I just give up? For this, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, we got that ball back, and uh, <laughs> uh, it was, it was, from there, it kind of went just like a big white. I, yeah, I don't yeah. remember. I remember Brody telling me, "Hey, God, do you remember sliding on the floor?" And, <laughs> and I had no idea. I do remember that. And he said, "I slid back to my net." I, I, <laughs> yeah. To this day, I couldn't remember. I was pumping my arm, oh, sliding back. It's to like the Theo Flurry. Calgary Flames celebration is exactly what you did. I totally remember that. So I, I again, I had, I totally forgot about it. We were out, we out in Prague, and I was talking with Brody and uh, Doily about it, and I was like, "How did I really do that?" And so I went back and watched, and sure enough, here I am sliding back to my crease on my knees. So um, just again, uh, how it happened, and the amount of amount of I like, guess chaos and, and sacrifice, and you know the uh, ups and downs of a man cop and how many guys were injured on our team and how, how yeah. hard we played. And it, it was just, it, you know, it gives me kind of goosebumps now to, to, to say I was part of that. And, and you know, it was just amazing. Yeah. You, you talked about, 
you know, guys that brought you up and, and, and studied under and being mentored by Whipper Watson. And now you're kind of on the back end of the old guard of being, you know, hey, thanks, cause. When you look at the quote-unquote goalie union that's out there right now, where do you see the state of goaltenders in lacrosse right now? <laughs> goalie, goaltending switched quite a bit. Um, you know, we went from being small into – you know, I guess I could be uh, accused of being one of the bigger guys uh, with equipment. So just <laughs> no, not easy. you. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm good with that. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I'm happy to say that I've played the game um, as best as I could, and to, and being at the best is just pushing things to the envelope, and then call me, call me a cheater, whatever you will. Yeah. But uh, the way I see it is, I've invented um, quite a bit around goaltending. I think an innovative style of goaltending with equipment. So. Uh, and I'm proud of that. I'm proud to say yeah. that I did that. And, you know, a lot of people see that against me. But, you know, that's the way goaltending's gone now. And these yeah. young goalies are, are super athletic. You don't you don't get too many non-athletic goalies that are yeah. quality around. And uh, the size of our goalies that are coming up, everybody's huge and, and built. And, you know, um, and they're multi-sport athletes. They're not just, you know, standing there and let the ball hit you kind of goaltender. So, and the way goaltending's going also with – amount of video that's going on and, yeah. and you know learning learning shooters and all that kind of stuff um that's something i took pride in making sure i knew all these shooters and tendencies and that's how i think the way the game's going <clears throat> best shooter you ever faced john grant worst shooter you ever faced <laughs> oh man i don't know <laughs> i uh, I don't know. Depending on what you consider worse, constantly getting hit in the head or not knowing where <laughs> that would be going. Ke- that would be Kelly Hall. Yeah, Kelly Hall <laughs> might might <laughs> might be the best or the worst practice shooter out there. Um, all the, <laughs> but all, but also the grumpiest. So yeah, that's uh, true. But hats yeah. off, hats. Oh, you know what? I was talking to uh, talking to a buddy talking about Pollock the other day, and I said, "Well, you know what? I only remember Pollock is taking over yeah. for a guy named <laughs> a guy named Kelly Hall, two grumpiest <laughs> men I've known in practice." <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know true. what? Those guys, those guys gave it all, and uh, <laughs> there's a lot of memories with them. Uh, anyways, I don't know who's the worst shooter. I don't know. Huh. That's a hard one. I, I, can I say any defenseman? But there's so many. Good you can you can now. say you can say anybody. Oh man, I don't even know. That's a tough one. Okay, I'll That's let it slide. Uh, I best say, coach. You know what? Oh yeah, one of the most receiving good shots from a defenseman, yeah. Patty Coyle. Yeah. I had a little rattler. He just stick out a stick and like rattle it. You just <laughs> yeah. and then put a top cheese on you. Need <laughs> a little egg and spoon and then play. Oh my god! But he still he still does that in Colorado when they're just <laughs> warming up and shooting around. He still does a little rattle. Uh, best yeah, coach you ever had? Who best coach I ever had? Um, you know what? I'm gonna have to say my early years in Toronto. Um, yeah. The combination of uh, of Eddie and and. Uh, uh, Eddie and uh, Jammer and then, then, you know, as Bartley as head. Bartley was like the motivator, the speaker, where mm-hmm. Eddie was the brains and Jammer also the brains of, of the end. So the the combination of three, I would have to say, taught me the most um, of lacrosse. But then every every other coach that I've had has huge positives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> like, I, as I say, no matter – I haven't had a bad coach in the NL. Let's put it yeah. that way. I've learned, I've learned from the best – the one guy I wish I was coached by was Chris Hall. That I, I missed. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to get coached by CH, um, but I only heard great things about him. And, and knowing him outside of the sport or outside mm-hmm. of the rink, I guess you can say, I can only imagine being part of his team. You you come from um, you know a career of playing goaltender. Do you ever wish that you weren't a goaltender sometimes? Uh, yeah, when there was uh, light. Like practices that kind of day, or when it was yeah. 75 outside, and you know sweating your sweating your sack off and that. I guess those are those are the days you, you don't want to be a goalie. But then on the flip side, you know I have a crease that no one's really allowed supposed to be in, yeah. and I'm not getting whacked by sticks. So <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't trade I wouldn't trade my position for anything. I again I I, I love it. I love what I did, and um, you know the passion that I had for is hopefully I put through on on the floor. You've mentioned a couple of times, uh, you've been lucky enough to, to wear the Maple Leafs and represent Team Canada at numerous uh, international events, whether it been Heritage Cup, whether it be uh, World Indoors. How much pride did you take on that and, and playing in those games with the country's best? <laughs> you ask any kid who uh, who's who's played sport, like that's, again, their ultimate dream is to play professional. Mm-hmm. 
and then next to play for your for your country. I think that's um, the national pride is is everything you dream of, um, no matter what sport you play in, and to be able to wear it and to be able to have your name on the back of the jersey and Canada on the front is something you can't um, you, you can't describe. It's something again that again gives you a little bit of goosebumps on the back of your neck. Uh, thinking about it and um, to have that opportunity to play in three worlds and I think it was two uh, tourist three uh, heritage cups you know it's, it's it's nothing but great memories and great honor you you got the chance to go to Australia did you go to that Australia trip I did I did how I, was, I, was, that? I was down in, oh, that was the longest trip of my life uh, it took, <laughs> it took uh, 24 hours to get there uh, yeah. stop off in Hong Kong which again is amazing uh, Brody Merrill and myself are the two tallest people in Hong Kong. Um, <laughs> then uh, on the way back, we stayed for three days and then another 24 hours back. So yeah, it was uh, the longest trip going. But you know what? Again, it's a great opportunity, great experience, something that uh, you know that lacrosse brought me. Yeah. Um, what what was the turnout for that? Like, do you remember? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I think it was in. It was one of a, a rink almost like um, New England has, where there's yeah. was those boards. Um, but I think it was about four grand, four or five grand. Um, and there was two uh, two games. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. I know we brought some Australian players on our team, and the two kids fought. The two Australian kids fought, yeah, which yeah. was real nice. So, yeah, there's, again, a lot of memories, a lot of fun times. Um, I, I don't know if the exposure was enough to keep uh, Box Cross in Australia. Mm-hmm. I think, again, um, <clears throat> If we had that opportunity to bring box across Australia, I think it would fly. Um, they have a great culture, and the amount of athletics they have there is incredible. Yeah. Um, with everything that's going on uh, off of the past, you know, Heritage Cup that we just had, and and the injuries to Dan Coates and Cam Holding at Team Canada camps, and obviously the talk of what's going on with Team Canada and the CLA. How do you feel as a guy that represents Canada, that Canadian athletes and and the national team players have been treated? Uh, I'm on my end. I think I've been treated fairly well. I can only speak for what I've uh, seen and experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the CLA has given me what I have now. So um, I don't know. I, I've heard some stories in, you know, through the media, and I did some reading on my own. Um, there's a little bit of controversy going on right now. But uh, in the past, I, what, I, what I do know is they, they supported Team Canada quite a bit. Um, I know we've had some financial issues with Team Canada. Um, yeah. But you know, CLA is what we represent and re, um, the ownership and, and the management behind it. Uh, I don't know if I can speak to what is going on now, but all I can know in the past, it's it's it's, it's been great. Fair enough. Um, backwards to the National Crossing. So you're sticking with the Bandits. You're going to be uh, a goalie coach for them. You're going to be sort of the eye in the sky watching guys like Alex Bouquet and Dave DeRuscio. Uh What do you like about the goaltenders you guys uh, have in camp now? I've, you know what? Two different, totally different goaltenders. We have uh, uh, Big Dave, Big Fish, who's uh, who's a big blocker, who's a good mover as well. Um, huge kid, <laughs> six four, almost three hundred pounds. So um, again, but not like he moves well in that. So mm-hmm. I like the what he does. And True Bouquet, again, a little bit smaller guy, uh, perfect square, uh, like squares up to the net real well. And his body type is perfect for for an LL type net as well. Um, I like both of them and that they move well. Um, I know Fish um, is a little green under who shoots where and where people like to go. So right. that's kind of what, where I'd like to, to push. Uh, I don't know much about Bouquet in terms of his knowledge about shooters. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just try to give him my two cents, uh, what yeah. I've learned through from my old goaltenders, and you know, through Chugs and um, through Whip and what brought me to, to have some success. So hopefully I can provide that for our, our goalies as well as, for shooters, you know, we'll all study other goalies, look at their tendencies, and you know, hopefully, uh, give our shooters a couple of ideas as well. Obviously, it wasn't the way the the Bandits and you <clears throat> hoped last year to end. Um, what's going to be the biggest step for this club to to get back to the playoffs and get to back to be a contender in what is a very tough Eastern Division? Well, <laughs> um, you know what, I, I like what we've done offensively. Um, you know, losing Benny is is a huge huge loss for us, but uh, you know what, we picked up and and Dirksen and we picked up. Hopefully, in our in our first rounder, uh, we'll we'll kind of make up a little bit for the loss of of, of Ben, um, but we'll start for Benny. Well, hopefully, that's the case is, and then mm-hmm. we lost again a couple a couple of our leadership group and on the defensive end, so it gives our young kids some opportunity. Maybe we get a different look, um, defensively a little bit more aggressive, and 
and hopefully play uh, an aggressive style of defense, giving our goaltenders easy looks. Before we let you go, um, the commissioner, the, the National Cross League, Nick Zakevich, has been doing his part to kind of make this league his league and, and put his spin on it. We obviously have two new teams in San Diego and Philadelphia. What do you like the direction uh, of the commission, the way the league is going right now? How do you see the future of pro lacrosse? You mentioned you know, you'd love to see it around for a lot longer from when you first got into it. Where do you see it going now? Nah, you know what? I, I'd love to see it continue. I don't know if it will ever be a full-time sport. Mm-hmm. Um you know, but I like to see where it is now and it's be established. Um, not not worrying about losing teams or every year, uh, kind of un, unsure of what's going to go on. Yeah. So just a you know a little bit more establishment and you know our, our sport sells itself. It's just a matter of the exposure and maybe seeing some type of uh, TV coverage. I know I know our social media has been doing a great job um, and, and getting some rise in action and, and you know and from the social media network of I guess the TV broadcast. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that's where it continues. Um, I, I know right now I just finished watching or just watching TFC on TSN. I'd love to see something like that in Canada where that's picked up and uh, mm-hmm. and you know become a little bit more mainstream. Uh, I think as a part-time sport, I think it's a great idea. Cause my friend, uh, it was a real pleasure uh, playing with you, not scoring against mm-hmm. you, and uh, all of our good times on the roads together. Congratulations on. Uh, an incredible career and all that you accomplished, and I know we'll be seeing plenty more of you uh, with the Buffalo Bandits. I know we'll talk soon. Yes, thanks so much, Teddy. It's been a it's been a great ride, and and I said before, there's no regrets here, and you know I, I, the people I like I like to thank are my family, um, mom and dad, uh, my immediate family, my wife Erin and kids. They've been there for for me forever, and uh, you know and my teammates that I've had and the friendships that I've made. That's this is what the sport's about. And I, you know, I can't thank everyone enough. There is Anthony Cosmo, played 17 seasons for four National Lacrosse League teams. And for a bonus question, who are the three teams that Anthony Cosmo was property of but never actually played for? All right, let's go to the scorecards. Well, for those that were following Anthony Cosmo's career closely, you'll know that he was drafted by the Rochester Nighthawks 15th overall in 1998. He wouldn't step into the National Cross League until 2001. So Rochester is the first team to have his rights. He would play four seasons in Toronto. He would play four seasons in San Jose before being traded to the second team that held on to his rights but never played for, and that would be the Chicago Shamrocks. Cosmo was selected first overall in the Shamrocks dispersal draft by the Boston Blazers, and he spent three seasons there. Well, when the Blazers folded, guess what? Another dispersal draft. And where does Cosmo go? Some forget that he went to the Minnesota Swarm. Cosmo never reports. Five games into the year, the Bandits acquire him for two first-round picks. So, in summation, the three teams cause never played for, but could have, Rochester, Chicago, and Minnesota. Could have changed his entire career had he stayed and played in 1998 in Rochester. Probably wouldn't have seen a lot of playing time with Patty O'Toole being their number one for, for over a decade. So maybe he did make the right decision. Sat behind Bob Watson, bided his time, then was involved in a blockbuster deal that sent him all the way out to the West Coast, to San Jose, in a six-player deal. And that's when he really started to shine and grow and learn how to be a professional goaltender. And he just would cruise and just become one of the best goaltenders in our generation, a career-high 10 wins in 2015. And just an all-round great guy. As mentioned, uh, two-time goaltender of the year winner, uh, Minto Cup, Man Cup, World Indoor Championship, um, an incredible player, uh, a great guy both on and off the floor, tenacious competitor. And as you said, you know what? You want to call him a cheater? Call him a cheater. 
He pushed the boundaries. He tried to get every advantage that he could to be the best goalie that he could. And as one coach always used to push the sentence on me, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And Cosmo took that to heart. And he was always looking to be right on the edge, trying to do as much as he could. And, you know, you could see that he, a lot of times he looked bigger than most of the other goaltenders out there. But he's helped evolve the game of goaltending to where it is now. And a lot of people have cause to thank for that. Why goaltenders can move so well in that big bulk of gear, probably a lot of that has to do with cause. So, Cause will stick with the Bandits as a goaltender coach. Um, Alex Bouquet and Dave DeRuscio will battle for the number one starter spot. And that is going to be a heated spot at camp. And there will be many heated spots um, through all nine National Lacrosse League camps that will get going mostly this weekend. A couple teams kicked off their camps last weekend as New England and Toronto uh, got the boys on the turf. The one thing I really like about what teams are starting to do now, and I think that's just um, a sign of the times and the fact that they don't have a lot of lead-up into the preseason, really only four weekends of actual work, depending on when your team kicks off, and that's not a lot of time. You're going to get two, three days out of a weekend you're probably going to do two-a-days. You're going to get, but you can only do so many practices. You can only do so much in the preseason. That's all part of the CBA. Just like you can only have one practice per week during the regular season. And what teams are starting to do is bring in less number of guys and right from the jump, just start going. And that's what Glenn Clark and the New England Black Wolves did this past weekend most of their camp was just scrimmaging. Yes, there was some stick work and some conditioning and some physicals and stuff like that. But for the most part, they just put the ball down and let the boys battle. As Glenn Clark said in, in an interview, there are a lot of spots open and there's a lot of spots to compete for. And they want guys to separate themselves right from day one. And when you have veterans in camp from day one, that really sets the tone because a lot of teams that first weekend of camp will just kind of be maybe a free agent camp or a rookie camp and just to kind of get a look at guys that they may not have seen a lot of. Well, now guys are saying everyone on the first day and we're going to hit the ground running right off the start. And I like that mentality. You have to be hungry right from day one. You can't cruise into the preseason and then slowly work your way up. I think you have to be ready to go right from the start. And teams that are getting the jump are doing an excellent job. New England and Georgia will open up the season on the 8th. And the Toronto Rock opened up their camp as well this past weekend. But for the most part, it was just physicals and getting guys out there and, and letting the guys run around a bit. Nothing too major out of the Rock camp. Um, but most teams will get going uh, this coming weekend to kick off November uh, which is essentially going to be the one-month mark because we're almost there. We are, what, 39 days away from the start of the 2017-2018 season? That's not a lot of time to prepare, and a lot, not a lot of time to get your team ready to go as we get set for, for another fantastic season. One thing I'm super excited about, um, and I saw him the other day when I was out walking bear through the streets of Victoria. Uh, Jesse King has been placed on the active roster from the pup list for the Georgia Swarm, and that is great news uh, for Swarm fans and lacrosse fans in general. Always great to see a guy come back after uh, a season-ending injury that he had uh, two summers ago or a summer ago. I guess it was two summers ago with the Victoria Shamrocks. So Kinger is ready to go. Uh, he's been posting videos of his workout. He's looking in great shape. As I said, um, I ran into him a couple days ago uh, and had a good chat with him. He's excited to get back going with the Swarm this weekend as they open camp. Uh, James Ray has been put back on the active roster as his Tyler Garrison for the Vancouver Stealth. And I think Vancouver needs a healthy Tyler Garrison this year. Um, he was a guy they really missed in last season. I think if he's healthy, 
that really bolsters their back end. Of course, the news of Dan Coates and Cam Cam Holding uh, is crushing, crushing for the Colorado Mammoth. And when I first found out that news, I couldn't believe it. Um, Just two salt-of-the-earth guys and two huge cogs on that Mammoth defense that'll be gone for the whole year. Coatsy will be living down in Denver. He'll be there quite a bit, but... um, when you lose those two guys, it's a huge void. And there's going to be a lot of upkeep to be made on that back end in Colorado. I'm very interested to see uh, who steps up and who really rises to the occasion. Um, and I'll get a good look at the Mammoth when they're in Vancouver in two weekends, uh, where I think Vancouver, Calgary, and Colorado will all hold camps at the LEC next weekend. Um, Ian Hawksby signed a one-year deal with the Vancouver Stealth. Uh, New England placed Adam Bomberry on the active roster, and they signed uh, Jake Fricaro to a one-year deal. Rochester signed Cody Ward to a one-year deal. So not a lot. Oh, one other news, um, a piece of news that came out. Uh, this was last week. Just, again, kind of like the Hodgson thing, I just it slipped my mind when, when talking about it. Uh, the Vancouver Stealth placing John Lentz on the retired list and then promoting him to D-coach which relieves Clay Richardson of his duties. So very interested to see how Lintz does uh, behind the bench as a coach. He's been with that club for just one year. He spent the past few years with the Saskatchewan Rush. So uh, interesting to see not only how the guys react to him as a coach, um, but how he reacts to the players because it is a different mindset. You know, when you have to talk to a guy who was your teammate the year before, and then you have to chastise him, I guess, for making a bad play or, you know, tear a strip into a guy for being lazy. That's a really slippery slope for a guy who was just playing the year before. And if he hasn't, and I'm sure he has, and I know he, everybody respects John Lentz. There's not a nicer guy in the league than John Lentz. But if a player doesn't really have his full respect, that can create a bit of, tension on the bench at times and if if Lindsay doesn't have you know just the fortitude the Vince McMahon testicular fortitude to stand up and and hold his ground as a coach and sort of be that higher power it'll be interesting to see how that works out but uh, I'm happy for a guy like John Lintz uh, he's gone through a a rush of bad injuries over the past couple of years so great to see him sticking with the club and going to hop on the bench. And that's, again, that's a trend we're starting to see with guys, um, whether they're injured or they're retiring, teams are keeping them in the fold. And whether they're a scout or um, a bench coach or an eye-in-the-sky coach, those are very valuable minds and eyes to have. So, um, you know, we mentioned it with Culper, who's going to be a scout for the Wolves. Cause will be a goaltender coach. You heard him talk about uh, just – some of his thoughts on Bouquet and DeRuscio, and now Johnny Lentz stepping behind the bench for the Vancouver Stealth. So um, I think that's a great spot for him, and I'm interested to see how he flourishes in that role. A couple more uh, National Lacrosse League news and notes before we make one stop uh, out west in the WLA. The quote-unquote Halloween deadline uh, for a third National Lacrosse League team has essentially come and gone. Um, No announcement from the league, um, but it doesn't sound like we're far away. There is talks uh, that the league is working on team number 12, um, possibly sometime in November, but you never really know with these discussions. Um, Somebody could just come up right away and all of a sudden say, okay, I'm in, or it could take longer. So um, the longer we wait, um, the further we get pushed back uh, of a starting date, but that's okay. I, again, I've said this um, since the expansion talks have started. Two teams is a great number to go with. Um, you've gone from 9 to 11. Uh, you've added an East and West team. If you add another, that gives you uh, 12 teams and you're 7 and 5. That's a two-team imbalance. Um, so I'm not sure that really works. And I, I truly don't know if there are, if you add three teams, I don't know if there's, you know, 65, 70 players out there 
to fill three teams. There are, but quality players is what I'm talking about. And that's the one thing I have concerns with is is adding a third team and reverting to the errors of the past, and we don't want to make those. And that's something that Nick Sakevich has stressed many times, not only to me, but in public forum. He doesn't want to go back to the aired ways of past regimes and growing too quickly. So I think that's why he's being cautious. He doesn't want to jump too far ahead. And two teams is a great number to sit at. The other interesting bit of news is that at the end of last season, the National Lacrosse League's Officials Association, their quote-unquote CBA or deal with the league had expired. And there are rumblings that a new deal has been signed, sealed, and delivered. Now, we haven't gotten official word um, from Brian Lemon, and this is where it gets confusing. Because while there hasn't been an official announcement from the league, and I'm still waiting um, on a return reply from Brian Lemon um, if a deal truly has been done, but I have two different sources within, I actually have multiple different people that I speak to on a regular basis inside the officials association. And there are two sentiments. One, that a deal is signed, sealed, and delivered. And the other side of the coin is that the officials haven't voted on it and it hasn't been ratified. And so therefore it's not signed, sealed, and delivered. So from all understandings is that the deal is being worked on. Um, It looks and sounds like it should be close to being done. However, some of the officials um, aren't happy with negotiations um, or what's being negotiated and what they're losing. And that's a point of contention. Even though they add a third referee, referees haven't gotten a pay bump. And some of the luxuries that they've been afforded in years past are being taken away. And they want that rectified. And they would like to see some of those things brought back in. Whether it's as simple as game day meals, per diem on the road, um, tickets to games, things like that. So... Again, being told two sides of the story, one, a deal is in place, two, a deal isn't in place or therefore uh, hasn't been signed by all the officials. But it looks like a, a conversation is being had between the officials association and the league to get something done. Uh, again, as always, keep you up to date as we know more. Um, but that's just... <laughs> It's crazy how this lacrosse world works and how things work. You can talk to one person. Yep, it's done. You can talk to another person. No, I don't think it's done. I haven't been told it's done. So keep your eyes peeled um, and your ears to the ground. Uh, News should be forthcoming on that. But um, just interesting to see how some can say yes and some can say no. Finally. Out in the wild, wild west, the new Westminster Sandbellies have announced that replacing Steve Gooden will be Rory McDade, former Burnaby Lakers head coach. Um, he was announced on Tuesday. Uh, head coach Steve Goodwin is moving to Kelowna, so he's unavailable to coach next season. And Russ Hurd and Kevin Stewartson opted to step down after a very successful 2017 season, which ended with a four games to two loss in the Man Cup to the Peterborough Lakers. Um, Goodwin and company had done a great job in bringing the bellies back to a powerhouse form in the WLA. A lot of credit has to go to Dan Richardson and the team that he built. But things happen. And now, in comes Rory McDade. Uh, Last surfacing with the Burnaby Lakers when he was ousted for Jim Milligan in that. And I like Rory McDade. Uh, I think he's a great young mind. He, I think it's good for him to be out of Burnaby. Uh, I think there was a lot of pressure being a Burnaby guy, uh, having his kind of his Burnaby crew with Seji and Rory Graham on the bench with them, and, and nothing against either of those guys. Uh, 
Um, but I think there was a lot of pressure on him to do more. And I think with him going to New West, a fresh look, um, a fresh face will really kind of um, inspire him to be a better coach. And like I said, I think he's a really good young coach. Uh, interested to see who he's going to bring along with him. There was no mention in the release who his, his coaches, assistant coaches will be. Obviously, that will come down the road. But um, Roy's got some good connections in the lacrosse world. So I'm sure whoever he brings with him will be qualified and fit for the job. And this is a, a group that's going to get a WLA championship team handed to them. And we'll really get to see what he's made of and what he can do with a team that is still young and loaded with talent and looking to head east and represent the WLA in the 2018 Man Cup. That is going to do it. I have a sweet tooth, and the chocolates are calling me. Thank you to Anthony Cosmo, as always, for stopping in and joining us on the show. It's always a pleasure to catch up with Cos. Happy retirement, my friend, and I know we'll be seeing you around the rink soon. Uh, as always, thanks for you to, for listening and tuning in and being a part of the show. We appreciate all your emails, tweets, and comments uh, each week, and glad we can have the conversations that we do while we're off air. But we will be back next week. We'll try and get more information on the CLA NLTPA battle that rages on. And we'll probably have some more camp news as pretty much every NLL team will get things going as we kick off the month of November. We are 38-ish days away, 39-ish days before the start of a new National Lacrosse League season. I am getting excited, and I hope you are too. Again, if you want to email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com or find me on Twitter. I am there every day, all day, at Off the Crossbar. Until next time, be excellent to each other.